The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's a mediator for the Orange County. County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about life and death and a, a, a loving end to move on as well as how love actually does go on. And we are, I just got this book that I've been reading and it's wonderful for us to read since we've just gone through uh, death and dying with a loved one just recently. But this book that I'm reading is called Loving to the End and On, A Guide to the Impossibly Possible. And it's by Lynn B. Robinson, Ph.D., Let me tell you a little bit about her. Lynn B. Robinson, Ph.D., is a professor emeritus of marketing and a former business consultant. She's also an author and speaker, a hospice and community service organization volunteer, and a facilitator for a hospice uh, affiliate group in Alabama. And you can find out more about her at conflicthealing.com as well as her website lynnbrobinson.com and I'm just thrilled because she you know here you had this wonderful life as a professor a distinguished career in marketing and international business at the University of South Alabama and then now she has become Um, more evolved in many different ways, but she now devotes her life to, among many other interests, death. (laughs) And so we're going to be talking about this right now. So thank you for joining us from the East Coast, Lynn. I'm delighted to join you. Well, this is terrific. So first of all, tell us how it is that um, you came to write this book. It's a funny story. I'll try to keep it as short as I can, Mary. Um, because I facilitate a local international association of near-death affiliate group, I'm not a near-deather, but I have had so many other experiences. I um, was sympathetic to the people who had that and didn't have anybody who would listen to them. So I, as a friend of the dean of a nursing school, the dean called and said, would you teach an online course for me? and teach it about near-death experience. And I said, gosh, that sounds like a lot of fun. I've never taught online. Cut to the chase. The vice president to whom she reported eventually said, oh, well, we can't have her teach that because she might talk about talking to dead people. (laughs) (laughs) So the course was nixed, and my friend called very apologetically, and I said, don't worry about it. I'll turn it into a book. (laughs) That was the genesis of the book. However, Loving to the End took on its own persona, as books often do, 
and it expanded far beyond near-death experiences, which is good because it included many of the other kinds of experiences that I've personally had with visions and with after-death communication and with people coming to me. This is really, to me, one of the most important things about this book is that I have learned because I'm empathetic with the possibility of life beyond death, that people who have experiences and have families or friends or churches that um, are not as open will come to me and say, let me tell you what happened. And they want somebody to say, that's wonderful. And yes, I believe it happened. And then it makes their life better. And, And that is what led to the whole thing about loving to the end and on. Because in the long run, it really is all about how we love, whether we're in or out of physical bodies. Yes. And I've read so many books on near-death experiences, Life After Life, More on Life After Life, uh, Dr. Raymond Moody, which I'm sure you're familiar with as well. And uh, it's just amazing, um, all these things. And then, of course, Brian Weiss, Dr. Brian Weiss, who wrote uh, Many Lives, Many Masters. So, you know, you're having doctors and physicians with great credibility and you who's a PhD writing about these things that people might say, oh, I can't believe that. But, you know, I've I've known people who have had near-death experiences myself. I had a cousin that after delivery of her third child, she was in the recovery room by herself and she literally bled to death And while she was bleeding, okay, but she came back to life. This is the good part of it. Um, While she was bleeding, she saw herself. um, Some nurse came in and saw her. They brought her back into surgery. She was floating above the surgery and all the surgeons. She saw everything that happened. And then she went through this golden light and saw this... um, gentleman that was a friend of the family I guess he was a rabbi a friend of the family and he was sitting on a fire hydrant and he said hey it's not your time go back go back and then she found herself back in her body and she told the doctors I saw exactly what you were doing they said well you were dead and they she said this is what you were doing I saw the nurse doing this I heard you saying this I heard this and they were all just stunned you know but uh, she came back. And uh, those are the kinds of things that we hear from everyday people, right, Lynn? Yes, they are the kinds of things that we hear. And uh, as with you, I've read so many of those things, and I've had the joy of meeting uh, Ray Moody and spending some time with him. I haven't met Dr. Weiss. But the what really gets to me, Mari, is not that they have those experiences, but that some families will not accept them. We had one young woman come to our local group here because neither her husband um, nor her church were accepting of what had happened to her, Mm -hmm. and she wanted verification. She wanted somebody to say, yes, that's possible, Uh, not just read it in a book, but talk face-to-face. And one of the fun things about that young woman is that she ended up working um, for a funeral home, and um, she had 
so many people there who were no longer in physical bodies but whose bodies were there waiting to be buried and they would want her to give messages to their family oh and it began to interfere with her work mm. so she consulted with me about that and I said, well, let's do something about that. And I had to work with her and help her learn how. I don't know how this works, Mari. I just know that it works for me, that it's almost as though you can be operating on different channels, like changing TV or radio channels. Mm -hmm. And I taught her when they were too interfering to shut that down and change the channel so that she could get her work done. And then she was much more comfortable at work. It wasn't that she was ignoring the people, and there were times when she was able to calm those no longer in their bodies, but she could choose the time, and she could choose when it was appropriate for what the other things were that she needed to be done. And so that's, you know, it's that sort of thing that led to this book. Mm. The, the extras around the edges, you might say. Right. Um, <laughs> So you have the name Loving to the End and On, A Guide to the yep. Impossibly Possible. Tell us about that title and what it means to you. Loving to the End and On means exactly what it says. It means learning how to love throughout your whole life and continuing to love right up to the very end, even if it's gory and horrible or looks terrible or painful, and then continuing to love. But I also want the, the person who is the focus of your love is no longer in that body, continuing to love that person. I like to leave that open, however, for those who simply cannot or will not grasp the idea that it may be possible to, be, to have a consciousness beyond the physical body, to be in some form beyond physical that is capable of communicating with an entity, a person, a consciousness in a body, that even the person who doesn't want to admit that can still say, I love and I was loved and have the memories of those loves in whatever shape they want to make them. It's, it's all okay to me. The whole idea is to, to focus on love doesn't stop the day someone's heart does. Right, right. And, you know, we, <clears throat> we've had messages from our grandson in fact, right after he died <clears throat> and he, he committed suicide, and there was a big pop-up on my computer that said, sorry, and we couldn't get rid of it. And, uh, uh, and uh, I have goosebumps. I love it. Yeah, and all sorts of things happened. My husband had extremely vivid dreams. He was more like a son than, than a grandson because we raised him, and all sorts of things happened. So we went to um, a medium, Hollister Rand, in, who has written uh, books as well on, uh, you know, that she she is definitely a medium and she's the real thing. And so we went to her and he came through so loud and clear. And you'll get a kick out of this one. I was making, we're having a celebration of life this summer for him. And I, um, I was making the program and my favorite color is blue. So I said celebration of life in blue. And I went downstairs to, I printed it and I went downstairs to show my husband and I came back up and it was in orange, which was his favorite color. <laughs> oh, see, I mean, it was so have a hard time wrapping their heads around that sort of thing. I know you can't help, but I mean, it was what it was. 
and exactly. I and I had my secretary help me, and I said, "What color was it?" You know, because she I had her start it for me. She goes, "It was blue," because I know that's your favorite color. And I said, "Well, guess what it is now." <laughs> and she knew that that was Ryan's favorite color as well, orange. So um, we're getting. So was she able to accept that? Oh yeah, yeah. But well, she. At first, she thought I was nuts, you know, but then when she saw the thing pop up on the computer, and she thought maybe it was a um, a virus, and she checked all over the internet to see what kind of uh, virus it could be, but and, and it wasn't a virus. It was just that he was so powerful to be able to use the electric, and, you know, I mean, I, I've had so many experiences like that, like when my sister passed, and... Um, we, the lights kept going on and off and on and off when I'd watch, um, what was his name, Edwards, uh, the medium on TV. And then I told my niece, and she thought I was nuts. She's a CPA. She's very, you know, right-brained and, you know, anyway, uh, left-brain, right-brain, whatever. And um, and so when she came in the house to visit from Chicago, um, I, I said, the lights are going on and off, and they were going on and off like Morse code. I said, you see what I'm talking about? We checked those lights. My husband's a contractor. We had an electrical contractor come over. Nobody could figure out those lights. It only went on in certain times. So, right. yeah. So we know they're around us and love us. Yeah. And if you're willing to be open to it, you'll see it, right? That's what I believe. On the other hand, I know some people who would like to and simply never have. And I don't know the reasons um, you know, we've talked about it, we've worked on it, so it, it doesn't always work for everyone. But, there, you know, there are other things prior to death that, um, that happen with people. There's one little story in the book that I just love. The, um, a daughter of one of my high school friends was with his mother, her, her grandmother, and she had been essentially comatose. Mm. For several days, she was almost 100. Maybe she was even 100. I don't remember exactly right now. And they were playing some of her favorite hymns for her as she lay there gradually, you know, having the, the body energy leave. Right. And so they were playing, um, I think it was an Elvis Presley gospel <laughs> song. Aww. And this is just a couple of years ago. This woman, you know, close to 100. And she lifts her fingers up. Mm. And, and keeping time with the music. Oh, she had been lying there with virtually no movement for a day or two. Mm. But she was still aware. And to me, that's important because I often you know, counsel people, tell, tell your loved ones you love them. They're going to hear. Exactly. It's the last thing to go. Whether or not they're hearing physically or with some non-physical capacity doesn't matter. They're going to hear. Exactly. And sometimes, and I have a, a, another just little sentence mention of a, another friend sitting with her mother as she died, holding her hand and telling her that she loved her. And again, this mother had been um, essentially comatose, and as her daughter was telling her how much she loved her, she squeezed her daughter's hand. Now, if the daughter at that point didn't think that that was possible, mm. that she was too far gone. So that's another part of the book is just remembering that really, love really does go on to the end as well as on, as well as those 
after-death messages that some of us are fortunate, as, as, I, as far as I'm concerned, we're very fortunate to get those. Yes, exactly. And like you said, the messages that go on even before we had, my sister was comatose from a uh, spider bite uh, that she had been on vacation and got sick, and we all flew out to Florida to, when she was on this vacation to see her. And all sorts of weird things had happened, like um, she was she was indicating whether we should let her go or not, you know. And somehow we got a card when we'd been with her all day long. Somehow we got a card from the manager saying, we're so sorry for your loss. So things like that happened, and it, it just one thing after another was strange while she was passing. But she she was comatose. But we were talking to her, and then we were all around her when it was you know we started to hear the gurgle. You know that that gurgle. Yeah. So we're all around, and um, and we're just telling her we love you. Go to the light. All this thing. The whole family. And then all of a sudden, my niece, her daughter, starts crying hysterically. And you know what happened? Her heart started beating really strong again. And like, like you know, she wasn't ready to go because her daughter wasn't ready to let her go. Because we kept, we, each one of us said, it's your time. We know it's your time. We're letting you go. We love you. And she started again. And, and so then my niece said, wait a minute. No, 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 mom. It's okay. It's okay. And then she passed. So, wow. yep. It, we were all watching this. How her heart was like going slower, slower, slower. And as soon as Felice started to cry, it just went fast, 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 fast again. It was, you know, it was what it was. You, yeah, so she was responding yes. to essentially a callback. Exactly. As far as it's okay to go. Right. And then you said she got the final okay to go, and she did. And yes. It's really beautiful. Um, there's a, a really amusing thing to me that has been reported in a number of the things that I've read about a lot of people see someone coming to get them. They, they have someone come and get them in a car or a truck, and it's almost always white. Mm. And they'll tell someone, well, you know, I have to go now. Uh, the chauffeur has come for me in a white limousine, or Uncle Joe has come in his white pickup truck. Right, right. And, I mean, they say this out loud, and then they close their eyes, and they're gone within a few minutes. Yes, yes. Now, you mentioned a book that you actually wrote in the 90s. Tell us about that book, and is this a sequel to that book? No, this is not a sequel to the book, not at all. I, I wrote a book years ago called Coming Out of Your Psychic Closet, Um and it was so that you could develop your own naturally intuitive self, because everybody has natural intuition. They just right. often don't recognize it. In fact, I think many of us who have been successful are very grateful to sometimes just intuitively having this direction of, of where to go or what to do. And a lot of people have that just driving on the highway. You know, I think I better turn right, and they find out an hour later there was a wreck if they had kept going straight. So the intuitive side of ourselves is is not as um, well-developed in schooling as the more structured, um, or what some people would say left-brain activities are. So coming out of your psychic closet was simply a way to, to ask people to get more in tune with that part of themselves. It did tell stories, however, 
that had to do with people who were no longer in physical bodies. One of those was I was swimming and just sort of relaxing on my back and began to see things in a cloud and paid attention. It was not a real cloud. It was an imaginary cloud. And Mm -hmm. I saw several things and realized all the things that I was seeing were for one of my really dear friends and colleagues whose wife had just died. Mm -hmm. So I had to work up the courage to tell him those things because I didn't know if he believed in this possibility or not. And um, after I finished telling him all of the stories, all of the things that she had shown me in the clouds, he said, well, I'm going to tell you you about this one thing. And he did, and it was something that was private between the two of them that even his their two daughters didn't know about. Mm. And then the other things that I had described to him, he said, I don't know about those at all. You'll have to tell the girls. And I said, I don't know <laughs> if I can do that. And with that, there was a knock on the door, and it was one of his two daughters. And he said, okay, I'm leaving now. And he turned to his daughter and said, Lynn's got something to tell you. So I had to explain all of that to her, and I described the, the thing that he had not identified, and she knew exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. and explained it to me and then cried and then wanted to talk to her mom and 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 some sort of message came through at the time that I don't even remember but it was meaningful to her mm-hmm. and that was sort of an opening for that whole family well the ones who were still living the husband and the two daughters right. so you just that was part of um coming out of your psychic closet but there are also a lot of ideas about how to develop your intuition and it's so it's important, isn't it? So, level. Yeah, so many of us who are, you know, professionals, we think, oh my gosh, you know, if I can't see it, it's not real, right? You know, I, I especially went through this with my niece, who is a CPA, and her father, who is a CPA. You know, it's like, okay, if it's not black and white, if I can't add the numbers, then it's not real. But um, it's it's once you open to that, and once you open to your intuition, you start to make better decisions. And sometimes we say, oh, well, you know, my logical mind says this, but my intuition says this. And whenever I've listened to my logical mind over my intuitive sense, I've been wrong. <laughs> I totally understand that. And let me give you an example of that with... The same colleague I was telling you about, whose, whose deceased wife showed me the pictures in the cloud, I used to do a lot of consulting work, management development work, with him and with one other guy, and we traveled a lot all over the country. And, some, and we'd plan everything out for the specific client with a lot of data and information, etc. And on occasion, everything that we were planning wasn't working. You know, we'd get into the situation with the clients and it wasn't working. And so we'd take a break and we'd go back and and we'd get together and they would say, what are we going to do? And then they'd turn around and look at me and say, okay, Lynn, do your thing. And I would say, (laughs) give me a minute. And close my eyes and shut out all of the chatter of the waking world, so to speak, and just drift into that intuitive pathway. Come back up open my eyes, and give a couple of alternatives. And among the three of us, we choose one of them and go back and do that with our client. And inevitably, it worked. Mm, Beautiful. I cannot give you a rational explanation for all of that except to say that we do have an intuitive pathway. Yes, yes. 
And so, you know, it sounds like, you know, you've developed yours. I know for me, what, the more I meditate, the more I'm in touch with those, you know, and when I don't meditate and I'm not uh, allowing myself that, that peaceful time, um, then I don't have as much intuition and I don't have as much of that um, kind of psychic energy. So what about you? How, how did you kind of develop this, you know, when you've been this professor and doing all this left brain activity? I don't know if I developed it or it developed me. <laughs> um, and I'm really serious about that. Um, as a child, I would do some daydreaming. I remember daydreaming about um, uh, a really amazing trip on a fabulous ocean liner and then having that come to pass, you know, 10 years later. Um, how did that happen? I don't know. I think what you just said about paying more attention to when you know that you haven't come to a logical conclusion, but you've some, had some idea and you're willing to say, okay, that is intuition. There is some way of knowing without knowing how you know. Yeah. And then you give that an opportunity, and every time you give it an opportunity, as you were saying, it grows, more openings occur, and the more openings occur and the more you give them credence and test them, allow them to work, they're not going to all work. Mm -hmm. But the things you do with your rational mind, as you were saying earlier also, those don't all work either. So it's, it's a matter of nurturing what has worked and giving it credit. And when you do that, then you're open to when it happens the next time, and then you're open to when it happens the next time, and it just grows. It's kind of what's that old saying? It's like Topsy, it just growed. Mm-hmm, hmm There are all kinds of books about how to develop your intuition. Right. And if, there, if there's someone who needs that kind of guidance and doesn't trust what's happening, then check some of them out, you know, go online yeah. and take a look at some of them and... Um, See if you, you can find one that seems helpful for you. I remember one of the first books I read uh, on getting in touch with your intuition, which it's an old book already, probably like 20 years ago or something. It's called It was called Living in the Light, Getting in Touch with Your Intuition by Shotkey Gawain. And that one really kind of opened my eyes to, you know, here I was, uh, an, an attorney and... <laughs> You know, thinking always from the logical side of my brain and then right. trying to get in touch with that. So that was a, something that was helpful. And, of course, your book, Loving to the End and On, A Guide to the Impossibly Impossible, is, is also helpful because once you start reading about these stories, you know, and if you know somebody, that has experienced it, or you know someone that has a family member that's experienced it's like those people who uh, need to have some real evidence. So what do you say to people who say, you know what, when you die, that's it. You close your eyes, that's the end. What do you say to them? Well, I have a family member who says that, and I say, well, I don't agree with you, but I understand where you are, and um, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I can say, um, can add to what we were just saying is, is that in my book, there is a reference session, section 
that will um, make recommendations of books that you can read or websites that you can take a look at that will help you develop your intuition or learn more about near death or uh, learn more about deathbed visions, etc. And some of them are um, especially helpful for medical personnel as well as family members. So there is that reference section. And there's for, for people who like to, me- to watch movies, there is even a sec- section on movies that touch on various of these things. Some of them go back 20 years or so, and they're still fun to watch. Oh, yeah. Um, that sort of present stories that you can watch in movie form if you just want to bliss out <laughs> watching a movie but still learning about some of this. Yeah, I, I know. One of my favorite movies of all time was with Albert Brooks, Defending Your Life. <laughs> Yes, I had forgotten about that. Oh, God, that is the funniest movie with Meryl Streep. And, you know, she gets to uh, Judgment City, and she finds out that she can eat all the pasta she wants, and she's slurping it. And <laughs> and then they go to the, uh, uh, the uh, what was it, the Past Life Theater. So they get themselves, they get to see the Past Life Theater. And Albert, she's like Prince Valiant. And, you know, she's looking at herself as Prince Valiant. And she goes, and who are you to Albert Brooks? And he goes, he's running from a lion in Africa. And he goes, dinner. <laughs> <laughs> So that's a great way to end. But yes, you have a wonderful bibliography at the end, and you have all sorts of wonderful uh, resources to read up on, Bond. And so all of the people who are listening, this is fascinating stuff. And you know, none of us are going to get out of here alive, at least from this body. So um, it's a it's something fun to read, even if you don't believe it, but you might just find that it is the truth. So um, just give your website, and it's time to go, okay, Lynn? My website is lindyrobinson.com, and I'd love to hear from any of you who touch base there. Okay. Well, thank you so much, and we will keep in touch, and good luck with your book, Loving to the End and On. Thank you so much, Marie. This has been delightful. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine, KUCI.org. On the net, I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 and visit our website at conflicthealing.com. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.